Today we hear a story from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, as told in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, about how he healed a man with an unclean spirit. Let us open our imaginations and travel across time and space to join the disciples as they learn from Jesus, this strange young rabbi. The disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Good News of Jesus Christ Thanks be to God. Thank you, Justin. Let us pray together. God of healing, God of clean and unclean spirits, God of this world in which we live and breathe and move and have our being. We join Jesus in the temple there. We listen for your word so that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people say, Amen. I'm sure it was an exciting day in Capernaum that morning, at least for the newly recruited disciples of Jesus and any of the other hangers-on. There was this kind of buzz about Jesus, like there is when there's any new dynamic charismatic person on the scene. It all seems so new and full of possibility. We're able to project our hopes and dreams onto this new guy, hoping he can right every wrong and cure every ailment, take our problems away. And Jesus is well into offering his teaching on the scriptures, opening up the old scrolls in some startling, refreshing and insightful new ways, ways of possibility. And people are hungry for his brand of good news, hanging on his words like spiritually hungry baby chicks in the nest. When all of a sudden, there's a heckler. Some guy about six pews back, clearly agitated, starts twitching and says right out loud, right in the middle of the sermon, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. People had probably noticed this guy before, lurking around the town, avoiding eye contact, shifting around, mumbling to himself, and nobody really knew his story, where he came from, what his family's situation was like. He, he just sort of drifted in and out of the shadows. 
But when they saw him in public, something was clearly off, and people avoided him. They, they crossed to the other side of the street. They whispered to one another in his presence. They frowned when they saw him. And in the Jewish world of the time, he was unclean, outside, other, essentially untouchable, cursed, possessed of an unclean spirit. It's not too hard to imagine what it was like for this guy, constantly feeling lonely, isolated, alienated, possessed by something clearly beyond his control. But inside all of that was a real human soul, a tender, vulnerable, thinking, feeling being. He could feel the glares of the townspeople. He could feel the seemingly insurmountable chasm of isolation and suffered from his own ability to connect across that gulf, that seeming abyss. Now, you and I don't, talk too much about demons or exorcisms these days. Maybe demons were things that did torment people regularly in those days, but we're, we just don't experience them as much anymore. Or uh, maybe demons are a more prominent part of our lives than we realize, but we find ways to explain them away or pretend they're not real. What the first century world called demons may have been the human behavioral patterns that we now describe in more clinically pathologized ways, like schizophrenia or psychosis or Tourette syndrome, epilepsy, autism. The straight shooting Lutheran pastor Nadia Boltz Weber describes how depression came into her life. And she named her depression Francis and pictured her as a kind of emaciated young woman in a torn nightgown with smeared lipstick. She says that Frances first stopped by in her teens and early 20s, which was easily written off by Nadia's family that she was just being moody. But later, when Nadia seemed to increasingly like the same things that Frances liked, namely booze, emotionally unstable boyfriends, and self-destruction, Frances finally just moved in turning Nadia's studio apartment into a wilderness. And Frances was a terrible roommate. She always trashed the place. She told her horrible things about herself to Nadia. She was constantly distracting Nadia, and sometimes it was so bad she would forget to eat. Frances made it impossible to do, for her to do even the most basic tasks, like buying groceries or getting out of bed and going, going out. The worst part about her horrible roommate, Frances, was that she refused to move out. And finally, one day Nadia's family convinced her to go talk to a professional, a therapist, about evicting her. As Nadia puts it, Frances is a bit of a dope fiend, but it ends up there was one drug that she didn't like called Welbutrin. And two weeks after Nadia started taking it, Frances was gone but not for good. Even decades later, Frances still knows how to find Nadia and sometimes she'll show up unannounced and stay a couple of days even though Nadia has chosen to do so many things that Frances hates like choosing sobriety and recovery and regular exercise and community and eating well and Jesus. In today's passage, the demon shouts out, I know who you are, Jesus. 
the Holy One of God. It's interesting to note that out of all the characters in the Gospels who encounter Jesus, the ones who most reliably know who he are are not the religious authorities or even his own disciples. They are the demons. And the demons always recognize Jesus' authority. And the demons are afraid. See, our, our demons want nothing to do with the love of God that Jesus teaches, and so they try to isolate and tell us that we're not worthy to be called children of God. And these lies are things that Jesus simply cannot stand. I don't know about you, but maybe our demons are like demons of anger who know they should steal, steer clear of the gospel of love or else they'll end up, we'll end up forgiving some jerk on whom we really want to get revenge. Maybe our demons of inertia know how to avoid Jesus. Otherwise, we might be cast off a cliff and we have to start showing up in life. Or maybe our demons of compulsive eating know not to listen to Jesus because they might find themselves cast out and see us clothed fully in our bodies and sitting at Jesus' feet learning how to love more abundantly and to live life more abundantly. Maybe we have demons of always, always, always having to prove ourselves, and they fear Jesus. Since if we listen to Jesus and not that, those demons, we may start really believing that we are already good enough, and then we'll have to stop over-functioning. Our Demons, external forces that are seeking to defy God, are they the shadow side of our own souls? Are they the social constructions of a pre-modern era? Who knows? But what we do know is that demons, whether they're addictions or evil spirits, are not what Jesus wants for us. And every time he encounters them, Jesus uses his authority to cast them out. And here's what we need to remember. The authority to do this, the authority to face what tells us lies, to face what keeps us shackled, to face what keeps us out of control, alone and in pain, and tell it in the name of Jesus to take a hike, to get behind us, is an authority that this faith offers us. It's something that our community offers us to be in connection and relationship with one another and to share this kind of good news. Which means that we can seek this authority, not only from God or from Jesus the Anointed One, but as God flows through the power of community. That you and I are all real, tender, vulnerable, thinking, feeling, human souls. And that God, Jesus Christ, wants to save us from our loneliness, our isolation, our alienation, our feeling possessed by anything that's beyond our control. But Jesus calls us again and again to an abundant life and is willing to help us to cast those demons behind us. May it be so.